Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast. I hope everyone listening is staying safe. A reminder to make sure you check out the BAFCA Tackling Series as this is a great resource. Today's topic is developing wide receivers with Coach Jarrell Jackson. So let's dive straight into it. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I am delighted to be joined today by the wide receivers coach at the XFL Dallas Renegades, Coach Jarrell Jackson. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Tough times, but um, just trying to keep ourselves sane and get as much football done as possible. Yeah, pretty much the same when I am, just kind of hanging out and getting stuff done on the computer and just getting ready for next year. Excellent. Right, uh, let's get into it. So for those that might not know your background or how you got into football, would you like to share with us sort of how you got into playing football and then how you progressed into coaching to where you ended up now at the Dallas Renegades? Yeah, I started playing football like when I was like four. My dad, he got us out there playing. Um, it was a street full of boys. So he just kind of figured if we was going to cause trouble in the neighborhood, we might as well just go play football. So from the time I was four until the time I was like maybe like 14, he coached me. And then when I got to high school, he kind of left me alone. And I went and played at Houston Yates and um, ended up getting a scholarship to the University of Oklahoma. Played at the University of Oklahoma for uh, John Blake and Coach Stoops and had a pretty good year. Um, you know, led, you know, Coach had, had an opportunity to play for Coach Leach my last, my, my junior year. And, uh, led the conference in receiving and just kind of fell in love with the air office that he did. And, um, you know, had a chance to, to help turn Oklahoma football around, um, you know, had some, a bunch of good memories there. And then was to go play for the Bills, uh, you know, played two years there. And then after that, just played arena football forever. Um, and just played it, uh, played in Buffalo for five years and then played in Dallas for two. And then Oklahoma City got a team, so I came back and played Oklahoma um, and played there for, I want to say, maybe five, six years till they stopped playing arena football and then got into coaching. Um, my first job was at Dartmouth College up in New Hampshire. Um, and and I reached out to Coach Stoops because um, I was kind of getting up and was kind of, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, kind of winding down in arena football and won some championships and stuff like that and was just kind of – trying to see what the next step was going to be. And he uh, he knew Coach Stevens and gave him a call. And I went up there, and, and it was supposed to be like a six-month deal. And I ended up staying for like six years. Um, was there from 06 to, like, I want to say right at 2012. Um, and Coach Receivers was a pass game coordinator, um, won a bunch of games for him at, at Dartmouth. And then when Coach Leach came back to coaching at uh, Washington State, he reached out to me and offered me an opportunity to come and be a, a recruiting guy and end up going from recruiting guy to being a player personnel. Was with him for four years at uh, Washington State, um, helped turn Washington State around and uh, had some good players, coached uh, the likes of Dayon Buchanan and um, 
you know, coached uh, coached uh, Connor Holiday and those guys. You know, Coach Leach. Did, I think the best thing he did for me was made me go on the defensive side of the ball and kind of learn. You know, the secondary coverage was kind of helped me out at my next job. My next job, I ended up going to Davidson College for like eight months as a quarterback coach and pass game um, coordinator. Um, did a good did a, did a good job there. I was there for just roughly a season, um, and then the second half of the uh, just kind of took. It was kind of rough year. Uh, kind of took the second half of uh, of January off and just taught preschool. Um, the whole second half of uh, January. Um, had just had a little, uh, had just had a baby, so just kind of was just trying to figure things out. And then that summer, end up going to uh, Mississippi State um, as a uh, recruiting guy, pass game analyst with uh, Dan Mullen. Was there for two years with Dan. Um, had some good times, won some good games, won some big games there. Uh, had a chance to meet some great people. And then from there, um, my son got ready to go to high school and. Um, just reached out to a guy by the name of Nick Bobek, who I had met before um, when I volunteered a long time ago at University of Central Oklahoma. He was the head football coach at uh, uh, Central Oklahoma, and they had a wide receiver job open. Um, ended up, ended up, uh, he ended up hiring me. Went there, and in two years we was there. We uh, we led the nation in, in passing. My first year, we had a kid. I had a receiver who finished. I think he had like seventeen hundred yards and like 21 touchdowns, something outrageous, finished second for the Harlan Hill um, Award. And then the last year after that, my next year, we had a full freshman being the top 25 in receiving. And then um, got a call from Coach Stoops, who I always stayed in contact with. And once he got into um, coaching, once he got back into coaching, uh, offered me a job to come to the XFL, had a ch- have a chance to uh, you know, continue to be under the RA legacy, um, work for Coach Hal Mummy. Who was great? Who was great guy to work for and um, had some fun and you know we was actually starting to get it, get it get it get it under control get it rolling this year and you know the league kind of went down so that's kind of how I got to where I'm at now. I mean that's fantastic. And curious question I've got is you spent the majority of your coaching career it sounds at the college level and now you've progressed into this pro league in the XFL and obviously aside from the recent coronavirus and things like that what's it been like difference wise between coaching at the college level and in the uh, XFL uh, I mean it's been I think the difference is I had a chance to uh, I had a chance to uh, intern with the Arizona Cardinals a uh, year before last year uh, before uh, last season in Central Oklahoma and it's good I think the biggest thing is at, the, at this level is it's just straight football you know you don't have to worry about no administrators telling you what what you can do as far as recruiting and all that type of stuff. So it's just straight football. You come in um, with a game plan, and, uh, you know, it's all about football. And you're dealing with guys who, who are at that level who are still hungry and want to get to the NFL and, and make a living. So those guys are true pros. They come in and they take coaching. Um, you got to be able to exert yourself to that they can believe in you, that you, you can get them to the next level. They and they trust your coaching. Um, but it's it's it's, it's – it's been great, you know, just understanding that, you know, you just come in and it's straight football. You don't have to worry about no classes, class checking. You don't have to worry about no grades. All you got to do is worry about them performing on the field and understanding what the scheme and what we're doing. Excellent. Um, so we're, today we're going to talk about wide receiver play because you are currently a wide receivers coach. In case you're not aware, over in the UK, we get 
a range of different levels of athletes. We get people that want to just try the sport out. They've never played it before. If you were presented with a group of athletes of different shapes and sizes, what are some of the things that you would want to identify in each individual to see if they have the potential to play wide receiver? Well, first thing, first thing I look for is, um, is he tough? You know, is he a tough player? Will he go in and he make the, the tough catches? Will he do the extra? Will he block? You know, will he, will he do all that? And you can teach you can teach a guy how to route. You can teach a guy how to run routes and 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 kind of kind of um, help him with catching. But you can't teach him how to be tough. So that's the first thing I look for. I come in when I when I was in college. You know, I would I would look for guys that was tough guys that may have played on defense um, or a guy that, that come in the block. You know, the second thing is you know size don't really matter to me. You know, uh, you know if you're a tough guy, you can play. You can play anywhere. You know, prime example we had a guy named uh, Flynn Nagel who. Wasn't the fastest guy on our team this year. Uh, wasn't the flashiest guy on our team this year. But he was our most productive wide receiver because he was tough. He would go make a tough catches. He would go in there and block. He would do what you, do what you ask him to do. So uh, a tough a tough guy is what I look for. And then you know uh, you know you kind of you know you gotta you know in, in our system in our race system you know you kind of the outside guys are big tall guys that can run uh, make the catches stretch the field. The inside guys are little guys that can. They can get in and out of breaks and quick, but they got to be tough. You want tough guys. Um, you know, it used to be where you where you wanted all guys got to be fast and they got to be this, they got to be that. And right now, in the way the office is set up, you can scheme for guys to get open. So, for me, if I'm coming out looking, I'm, I'm going to watch you. If, if you're a tough guy, you make plays, and, and you're coachable, you're a guy that I want on my team. And when we're talking about wide receiver skills, sort of fundamentals that you'd want to work on. What, what are some of the skills that you work on with receivers on a daily basis? And do you group these skills in any way or is it just a, a range of skills? On a daily basis, like when we hit the field, uh, we, we, got, uh, we, practice, uh, we practice releases. So you got to be able to release because a lot of teams try to play press coverage. So we practice releases. But a daily, a daily deal, those guys will catch on average about 150 tennis balls. Uh, Every day, you know, they'll catch 75 when they first hit the field on practice. Um, they'll catch 25 to the right, 25 to the left, and then 25 straight straight ahead. Um, so they'll we always going to work on our hands and our coordination. You know, catch a tennis ball for me uh, makes your hands softer, makes guys have to concentrate and really locate the ball. Um, you got to have soft hands, and it makes them pluck the ball out the air. Um, a lot of people like the jug machines, but the jug machine is, is kind of unrealistic because it's never a point in the game where you're just going to have a clear picture of a ball just coming to you. And so a lot of guys uh, anticipate, you know, how to catch the ball and how to, uh, you know, uh, you know how fast the ball comes. But the tennis ball machine, you got to have soft hands. So that ball will bounce off your hands every time. So And it makes some guys pluck the ball out the air because it'll go – if it hits the wind, it'll, it'll, it'll go all over the place. So those guys plucked out there. So we'll work on that. We'll work on um, catching the ball over your outside shoulder. Um, I always tell my guys as I'm as they running on the deep ball to keep their inside shoulder closed off. If I keep my inside shoulder closed off as I'm running down the field, number one, I'm gonna be faster. Number two, DB can't open and drive me and push me out of bounds. And what I mean by keeping my inside shoulder closed, most guys when they run and they see a ball, they want to turn the outside shoulder and turn their head and open their whole body up. And that'll and the DB allows the DB to push them out of bounds. What we do is we'll do pat and go 
And when they do pat and go, those guys will run. They'll keep their inside shoulder closed, and they'll catch the ball over their outside shoulder no matter what. The quarterback can throw a short. They'll stop and position themselves to catch that ball over the outside shoulder and catch it high over the outside shoulder. Um, use the DB's leverage against them. So if we running it. You know, so we'll do a drill where those guys will run. Guy be inside of him. He'll slow down. DB will nudge him and push him in front of him. He'll catch the ball over his outside shoulder. So we work that. We'll get out there. We'll work on footwork. We'll have some cone drills. We'll work on those guys sticking and getting out of routes. Um, that's the biggest thing. He's got to be able to get out of routes. Uh, certain routes is, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of – we got away from steps uh, around here because everybody's steps is going to be different. So we go yours. So you'll hear us say, hey, get your hips through 10. Get your hips through 15. Get your hips through five. Because everybody knows they get their hips through five. It helps the quarterback out a lot. Because if he sees his hips through 10, he knows he's breaking out. He can throw the ball to a spot. So we'll work on stuff like we'll have trash cans. Everything we do, it'll be some type of, you know, when we got individual, it'll be some type of trash can or something that'll be at the point of break. You know, if they run out, if they run a 10 yard out, I'll have a trash can there so they know they can get around. They got to get around that trash can, which that's them getting their hips through 10, getting around a trash can and the quarterback putting the ball at the outside shoulder. If they run the curl, It'll be a trash can at 12, so they know they got to sink their hips, get their hips through 12. It'll be a trash can at maybe like five, so they can come all the way back to the ball on the curl ball. So everything we do, everything we do in individuals or just without a defense, it'll always be some type of, whether it's a cone, whether it's a trash can, whether it's a person, it'll always be something at the break point so those guys know, hey, this is when my hips need to be to break out and get out on the route. Um, at the end of practice, we practice uh, ball security. That's the big. That's the number one deal. We'll have a we'll have a circuit set up. Where it'll be ball security. It'll be like three. I mean, it's like three three circuits. One of them will be they'll have a ball, and another guy will be trying to punch it out. Another drill will be where they'll have some bags, and the coach will have a boxing glove on a stick, trying to knock it out. And then the last drill will be uh, we got a we got some balls, and we got the strips in the back, so when they run, we can try to pull it out from behind. So we, we, we make sure those guys practice the fundamental drills. And then, you know, every other day, you know, you got to try to get some type of blocking in. So every other day we'll switch off and pick a day that the O-line is not using the sled and we'll go over there and we'll hit the sled uh, for that. Uh, you know, and then, you know, for me, if those guys not blocking well, you know, the sled will become punishment after practice. You know, we'll make those guys push the sled, uh, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. Um, you know, and with the sled work, we do the, we do the one-man sled and, and – and, most sleds have a pin. I take the pin out uh, so the sled can move, so those guys got to get themselves in good body position to be able to push the sled down the field. So those like some typical – that's like typical everyday stuff that we do. You know, they hit the field. They got – we got – they know they got their footwork drills. We got they, uh, we got releases, which on the releases, um, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a PC, uh, PVC pipe out there. It may be about three, no longer than four, four feet. And those guys will do what we call work the pole. They'll foot fire all the way up that PVC pipe. And when they get to the top, they got to give me a one-two. You know, you got to give me a one-two, go right, and then a one-two and go left. And all that drilling is just simulating if a DB play press coverage, how you got to work him. You got to work him for two or three yards, get his hips turned, and then make a move and get going. I mean, that's fantastic. And, and in terms of your individual periods, how long do you get? Uh, per practice to work on these things and do you work on all of these every individual period or do you break it up over the course of a week well with us uh you know we all it's everything's all together so um i'll try to 
So I'll take you back to meetings. You know, in the air raid system, once we start practice, everything is just go, go, go. So what I try to do is in meetings, I waste no time. I will go through the day before practice and just cut up the things that we did bad and we need to correct and the things that we did good so they'll know what, what we did bad, what we need did good. Install whatever is new and then try to get on the field at least 15 minutes before practice. In those 15 minutes before practice, that's that becomes my individual. Um, because once practice starts, it's all we always we, – we just flying 100 miles an hour, um, you know, just constantly running. But to do my, to do my, to do my releases – to do uh, my cone work and to do tennis balls. We get out there 15 minutes ahead of time uh, before stretching everything. And so by the time everybody come out, my guys are stretched and get ready to go. And then once we get an individual, once we, once we get in the, when we get to our individual is with quarterbacks, running backs, but we always run in plays. Now, when I was in other places that wasn't true, true air raid, I always had like, I always had 20 minutes of individual. And then that 20 minutes, you just kind of break it up. Kind of go five, five, and five. Hey, five minutes, we're going to hit this. Five minutes, we're going to hit that. Five minutes, we're going to hit this. Five minutes, we're going to hit that. But still, allow yourself some time to get out there early. You know, you do your everyday drills. Our everyday drills for us is we come out as cone drills, tennis ball drills, uh, the release drill. Those are everyday drills that we do. And then we'll do routes of the, we'll do routes of the, routes of the day. Uh, the things that – I try to get in every now and then is the blocking. You know, we try to pick the days that we do the blocking. But our everyday drills, you're going to come out, we're going to do releases, we're going to do uh, cone drills, we're going to catch tennis balls, and we're going to do route recognition. And then um, once practice starts, and that's just air race system, once practice starts, we hit uh, – we go straight to pat and go and then routes on air. In that routes on air is where we'll have trash cans and stuff like that where those guys are getting their hips around, um, getting around – uh like, you know, getting their yardage, getting their depth. And then we do we do that for time and purposes with the quarterback. Since we don't do steps, you know, we'll do – make sure that, hey, they get their hips around that that, that barrel at 10, that ball should be gone. So that a lot of that um, – a lot of our individual in the array system is done with the quarterbacks. Um, and just so they know where the ball placement and stuff like that. We practice back – you know, in the array, we practice – everything we do, you know, everything we do is – part of the offense. So when we do pat and goes, you know, he's throwing a deep ball. They catch it on the outside shoulder. Then we'll switch and we'll say, hey, we'll go back shoulder. So then now they're running and the quarterbacks are throwing back shoulder phase. So we do that every day from the time they get on the field. Uh, for I think pat and go is maybe 10 minutes. So in that 10 minutes, they'll catch about – each receiver will catch about four balls, which will be two deep balls, and then there will be two uh, back shoulder phase. And then at the end of practice, we'll go down to the goal line, and uh, this and this is kind of just cool. Now we'll start at the we'll start at the five, and we'll throw we'll throw fades to the back corner of the end zone where they got to catch over the outside shoulder. They got to hold. They got to keep their inside shoulder closed. Catch over the outside shoulder. They'll catch five. They'll end up catch twenty balls. So they'll catch five from the right, five from the left, and then we'll come back and go back shoulder fade. Well, coach is just staying and run with him. He'll hold him, and the quarterback will throw a back shoulder fade. Um, and the back shoulder, we like I said, we practice every day because we'll throw back shoulder no matter what. We'll, the guys will go post down the middle of the field, and he'll protect them and throw a back shoulder post with a safety high and stuff like that. So everything we do is just kind of predicated on, on, on practice. But for me, in the air raid, to get my individual, we got to get out of there like 15 minutes early. So you got to be efficient with what you do in meetings 
and stuff like that. So, you know, like I said, the way I do meetings is just kind of go through and watch what they did good, what they did bad, cut it up for them. So when they come in, you know, we real efficient with it. Uh, make sure we watch one-on-ones every day because it's a one-on-one. It's basically a one-on-one game. You know, we try to spread you out and get man-to-man coverage and, and let it roll from there. And just rewinding it back a second, we'll talk about blocking. I mean, in my opinion, blocking in the UK is one of the more undercoached aspects of playing wide receiver. And one of the common issues I see with my own players, but also in opposition players, is that desire to want to block is there, but they often overshoot themselves or the DB just gets around them real quick. Is there any advice or drills or guidance that you can provide to help receivers break down early and anticipate that block a bit better? Yeah, we um, so we'll do so when we work in blocking um, individual wise without the without the uh, without the sled. We'll have them pair. I'll have them pair up, and uh, I'll blow a whistle. First whistle, the receiver he'll attack DB a backpedal. Second whistle. The DB would engage and the receiver will break down and kind of get in front of them and play basketball. And what I always tell my guys is we block in midline and outside number. Especially if I if I know the ball's going out wide, if I'm in the slot blocking for a bubble, I know the ball's getting outside of me. So I'm gonna go midline and outside number. And I'm gonna ooze off and I'm attack him slowly. I'm not gonna let him attack me on my line of scrimmage. I'm gonna I'm gonna attack him. I'm gonna I'm gonna ooze off about two or three yards and break down. And then I'm gonna get in what I call we call a triple threat triple threat basketball position. So we'll get in basketball position. And then I'm going to attack, let him make his let him make his move. I'm not going to try to pin him inside because then if I pin him inside, he may he may do some. All I'm going to do is ooze off and I'm attacking midline the outside number and let him let him make his first move. If he attack and he want to run all the way over the top, I'm still in good position to just drive him all the way out of bounds. I'm going to take him where he want to go because in this game, most DBs and most safeties and most linebackers are going to be stronger than him most of the receivers. So it's just about putting yourself in good position and good body position and being able to finish it off. And a lot of it is a lot of want to. Like, you got to have some want to to go in and, and, and want to do it. Um, you know, we had – I had that, I had that, you know, we had that same problem here with these guys here in the, in the, in the professional level just because a lot of them haven't done it in a while and haven't been asked to do it in a while, you know. The, the, uh, you know, the guys I had when I was in college, those guys would go out there and get at him and, and – attack them and uh but that's because I had them for three or four years and they understood you know what I what I wanted out of them you know at this level a lot of those guys making business decisions you know because they you know because they they got to protect themselves and protect their body um but the biggest like if you got a guy that can go out there and block and and he'll get it done you know he'll he'll, he'll help you out we got we got a couple kids who one who played for me at Central Oklahoma who understands what I want he's one of our best blocking receivers so he stays on the field and you just try to put him in and you try to keep him out there so people don't don't know when he's out there he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna block. But um I always tell my guys go midline the outside number, you know, ooze off the ball at about two or three yards and meet the defense, meet the defense at two or three yards across I mean up front of the line of scrimmage. If you let them if they let the D B hit them at the line of scrimmage, then you're putting the ball carry in a bad situation and not giving them a chance to to defend themselves or, or make a move. You know, if you meet that guy two or three yards across the line of scrimmage, even if he stalemates you, you still give the ball carrier a chance to make a move and gain some yards and stuff like that. So it's just by putting yourself in position and, uh, and, and, and just working the position and using the DB position against you. 
Don't go out there and try to get in a in, in a fight and try to just you know. I, and I know some. I had a coach when I when I got to Oklahoma. He was old school and he wanted us to go out there and just be physical and just run at a DB. And you know sometimes you got those long developing plays and by the time he gets to the edge, the DB didn't got in the hole and he'd throw you off and then you know you're in trouble. So we always I always tell him just hey run them as long as you can run them. If you know it's man, run them off. You know, run them and block them late. We call it the fade block. We'll run them, run them, run them. They turn, we block them. Uh, if it's zone, then you got to go out there and kind of get yourself in position, midline or outside number, know where the football is going. You know, if it's inside zone, then you got to cut them off. It's still midline to inside number. Now, make him run a loop. Just you got to put yourself in position to where you can, um, you know, you can, you, you can be successful. And that ball carry can be successful. You know, if we got bubble going, if it's going outside, I'll tell those guys go midline to outside number. And if you miss him, miss him underneath so he so the ball carrier be gone and, and, and he, he's out the way. You know, if a guy, you know, and it's also, you know, you can't be, you know, if you got one of those safeties that just like to run through guys, stuff like that, you know, I always told my receivers, hey, just get run over slow. If he coming down, he want to run over you and you and he, he runs over you, just run over, get run over slow. As you go down, accidentally – wrap your back foot on his foot and fall over and make it like he just ran over you. It don't matter. He took himself out of position. He took himself out of play, out of position, and we still gave yards. Now, Coach, uh, wide receivers, the stereotype uh, for, this, for this position is that they tend to be prima donnas. They always want the ball and they complain when they don't get the ball. And I think that's a stereotype, not just in America, but just any level of football uh, for the position. Do you, do you spend any time with your your room when you coach receivers about, you know, playing for the team or selflessness and things like that? Yeah, you got to. I mean, uh, like, that's the number one deal. Um, I, and I play wide receiver, and I had the same – I had the same issue. You know, Coach Leach had the same issue with us, you know, once you go to football. But, uh, you know, to be a true, true good wide receiver, you have to understand the whole offense. You know, understand, hey, listen, I'm running this route to open it up for somebody else coming across. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that, that you got to get across to guys. It, 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 it runs it, – it's, it's, really, it's really bad at our level because everybody's there to try to get to the next level. And they feel like, hey, if, if this guy's catching nine balls and all I am is running off, you know, you really got to do a good job of, of selling it to them. Um, and it just comes down to the, the, the player got to – he got he has to see the big picture. And you know, in our room, I've been fortunate, you know, you'll you'll have those talks with him and it's gonna come and, and you know, understanding that hey, you know, it, it's gonna come and you just gotta continue to fight, continue to believe in the offense and continue to do what we ask you to do. Hey, you may one game you may run, you may run eight deep balls and may get one thrown to you. But that's part of the that's just part of the deal. Like you gotta keep doing it, you gotta open it up because at some point it's gonna, um, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna pop, and it's easier to tell. It's easier for us. It was easier for me to make college kids believe about the about the array because you know they was there to get to the next level. When you at the pro level, it's hard to kind of keep those guys engaged if they're not getting the ball to their side because they, especially in the XFL, everybody's looking to get to the NFL and get bonuses and stuff like that. So. You got to be a real good salesman. You got to keep everybody in tune. You know, when I was in when I when I was at, when I was in college, you know, it was easy because we had you know you can say, hey, listen, well, I have 
four guys who had 40 plus catches, you know, and those guys did, you know, those guys did exactly what we, what we told them to do. When you're at that next level, you know, guys don't want to hear all that. Guys want the ball. You know, they they there to get back to the next level, so they want the ball. So we did a good job of just trying to keep everybody happy. But that's just the nature of the receiver, and that's just that's what you got to know what you coaching. It's not it's not any other. It's not running backs where you know those guys gonna get touches. Not quarterbacks where hey that guy's gonna that guy's gonna you know he's gonna get the end of it. at the receiver spot. You need you need the quarterback to throw the ball, and sometimes you you have to. As a play caller in the offense, have to design plays so those guys can stay involved and stay in tune into the game because those guys will get those guys will get bored and they won't participate if they're not getting the ball. And, you know, I've been a part of that where hey, I know I ain't getting the ball, so why am I out here? So that's like that's one of the hardest things you got to do. You got to keep them engaged. Um, and the biggest thing I take tell coaches to do to keep them engaged is just make sure they understand the whole offense. And when you in um, when you in practice. I move them around so they can get a feel of, hey, they catching the ball, they feeling a part of it. Uh, you know, and you, you try in practice to try to make sure, hey, you design plays for those guys to get to, to feel feel like they're involved in, in, in the game plan. But it is, a, it is a challenge, though. It is a challenge to keep those guys happy just because of the fact that they all want the ball at all times. And if you got a receiver that don't want the football and he ain't complaining because he ain't getting the football, then you might want to see – what is what is what his level of commitment is to playing wide receiver? So, um, I, I've been there. You know, I, I was I was a prima donna. I, I, I cried for the football a, a little bit, but um, but if you truly understand the whole just of the offense, and if you truly truly buy, if you truly bought into your team, it won't it won't be an issue. But maybe like one time. Excellent. Now you coach for. A number of years, a lot of different levels. When you look back over your career and think of some of the top end receivers that you coached, regardless of level, what are some of the similar attributes that they they've shared in making themselves so successful? Um, the 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 best guys I've had was guys that was like ex quarterbacks. Um, I had a kid named Timmy McManus when I was at Dartmouth, who was just unbelievably um, talented at quarterback, but he was so short. And he 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 served him. He did a better purpose for us out wide. But the guys that really been the most successful for me was the guys that kind of bought into it and knew the whole offense inside and out. Guys that can go that can go play that can go play the right side and the left side. But also they understood. Hey, well I'm gonna run the go route to open it up for the guy inside of me. So now if he's having a great day, eventually they got to start playing me one on one. So those been the guys that's that's been the best for me. You know, ex-quarterbacks being really, really good. But the unselfish guys, the guys that's willing to learn and, and, and take coaching has been, has been the guys that have been successful. I, and I've had, a, I've had a bunch of successful guys. I think all my, all my really, really successful guys uh, was my first couple of years of coaching when I was in the Ivy League. And it was just because those guys, I had to really get those guys fundamentally sound, um, you know, because in the Ivy League pretty much everybody's the same. You know, they all, you're getting the same type of kid, but it comes down to, who who does the who does the fundamentals the best? And you know, I was blessed to have nineteen all conference guys while I was there. And those guys just those guys just played hard. I got guys that uh, you know, I took guys that played hard, and the game was important to them. And just um, you know, um, just really really embraced what we was doing, and and just kind of just kind of made the best out of the situation. Um, you know, and you know, it 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 never fails. The guys that are 
the guys that are truly bought into the team aspect and willing to do whatever it takes for the team to win are usually going to be the best receivers you have. You know, like a DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he see he's, he he does whatever you ask for him. You know, to, he'll go out there and block and stuff like that, and guys really, really uh, respect him. Um, you know, and, and at the college level, if you got a, if you got kids that that understand that really when they come in, they understand the whole they understand the whole office. They understand how it all works together, how we all can get open, and how we all can get get to get get the same type of uh, glory. Then it, then it'll work. Uh, that's great, and just just to sort of talk about what it's like in the United Kingdom. We've we've got players who love the game. They come to practice. They want to be coached. But the players have other priorities. They work full-time. They have families or jobs or they're studying. They have to pay to participate and things like that. So one of the aspects that often uh, players that struggle to find time for is the strength and conditioning side. So if you think about that as a scenario let's say we've got once or twice a week guys who are in the gym or on the field doing off the off the field workouts outside of practice. What are some of the things that you'd want the receivers to primarily focus on to get stronger, quicker, uh make it on the practice field? We like we had that when I was in the Ivy League because those guys paid to go to school, uh, no scholarship and then in the summertime, most like ninety percent of our guys was doing internships. So what we so what I would tell them to do I would tell them to play basketball because they work on their quickness and their stamina. You know, make sure those guys are playing basketball, you know, because they, they had to make some work on their footwork. Um, you know, just get in the gym. As a receiver, you don't need to be, like, super, super strong. Just go in there and make sure you maintain your weight and, uh, you know, just get some squats in. But my biggest thing for my guys is just play basketball because it'll work on your feet. Uh, it'll work on your quickness and your hand-eye coordination. Um, if you get some, you get some time, just do some cone drills, you know, whether it's – you can do cone drills wherever you at, you know, in the house. I did the biggest thing is, you know, we I'm a big tennis ball guy, so whatever job you're working, you can take a tennis ball and bounce it on the floor with one hand and just catch it, bounce it on the other hand with one hand and just catch it. And then when you're at home, you can just lay and just throw it against the wall, you know, one hand, two hands catching. That way you still work your hand-eye coordination. You're still making sure your hands are soft. And catching the ball. So, as a receiver, like I said, my biggest thing for those guys, I, those guys play basketball because they got they they got them in shape, worked on everything that you're working on as far as like sticking routes, getting in and out of breaks. And those guys had to break down playing basketball. So, um, I would make I would let those guys play basketball, and, and I, I was big on like I was big on that in the off season, letting those guys play intramural basketball because it was working on their quickness, uh, working on their and, and and also it was working on their toughness as far as they you know they got to be able to compete and, and play basketball and, and stuff like that. I would go watch like if it was a kid recruiting and he played basketball, I definitely would go watch him play basketball to see where his where his competitive level was because you got to be real competitive in basketball. Um, you know, I didn't want to see the guy who wanted to play on a good team all the time and he go out there and 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 be a part of it. Just blend in. I want to see a guy. Hey, Go play on go 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 be the guy on the team that you the only guy on the team. Let me see if you can lead and, and compete. And you know those are guys that I wanted on my on my team. And um and, and that's why when they was doing the off season, I really let those guys play basketball and kind of would creep in when I knew they was playing. Kind of would creep in and see 
see how tough they was, how competitive they was. They're going to call fouls all the time, or they're just going to play and let the game come to them and find a way to play through it. So that's why I let them, that's why I'm big on basketball in the offseason, because at some point you, you'll get a chance to see his competitive fire. Is he going to be a guy that's going to always complain about getting fouled, or is he going to be a guy that's going to get mad and just play and play hard and take it to the hole and, and do all that? Is he going to be a guy that's just going to shoot jumpers all day? If that's going to be a if he's a guy that's gonna shoot jumpers all day, then you know what he's gonna be like when he blocking. He's not really gonna he's not gonna really wanna do it. Um he you know, he he'll do it if he has to. But if he's a guy that's gonna go to the hole and take the pounding and get hit, he's a he off field, he ain't gonna have a problem uh doing all that stuff. So um, you know, off season training for those guys. Just have them go play basketball. It's inexpensive. They can go play basketball. Uh, guys can play softball because they run around, make them play in the outfield. They run around tracking balls, just like if you was playing football, throwing a deep ball. Those guys had to track the football, uh, had to track the softball, uh, being able to track it in a, you know, a small ball, hitting the middle in the outfield, seeing how good they, what kind of jump they can get on and stuff like that. So little stuff like that, I would tell them, I would tell them to do that. You know, play softball, play, um, you know, play basketball. Certain thing, and the thing about it is. They won't even think of it as it worked. They'll just think of they out there playing, but they also working on their skills. That's great. Um, when you talked about your career, you often refer to the air raid offense a lot, and it sounds like you have a number of years' experience within the air raid. Now, we don't have visuals, we don't have a chalkboard, but do you have a favorite passing play out of air raid? And if so, um, could you perhaps talk us through what the roots are, maybe the quarterback reads, and how it all works together? Uh, maybe one day I'll come over and show you guys what the air raid is about. But, uh, That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. We still have time. I'll come over there. But for the air raid, the biggest thing is if you have, it's all about space. You know, it's all about space, being in your space. Uh, the, the primary play that, I, that everybody likes is we just call it six, and all it is is four verticals. Now, and, it's, and those four verticals are that play can ever. Um, so we'll call six, and the quarterback, if you, he pretty much can will and deal. If they play press coverage on the outside, we, and we wide team. So if they play press coverage on the outside, he take his best matchup on the outside, you know, deep ball, whichever one he wants to go to. Um, the inside, so the inside guys, they have, if it's one, if it's one high, if it's a single high safety, those guys got to go. Everybody's straight down the field and, and they going vertical. Outside guys, the back, the quarterback can throw him back shoulder. He can give him whatever. He can give him outs. He can give him hitches. He can give him, he can give him comebacks. He can give him whatever. The inside guys are locked scenes. They got to go down the middle of the field if it's a one high safety. The quarterback usually picks. You know, he'll throw a back shoulder. He can throw a back shoulder, uh, a back shoulder scene to one of the inside guys. Now, if they go too high safety, uh, the guy to the right, inside guy to the right, will bend it across the safety's face and run a post. The guy, the guy to the left will have either a sit-down where he can just run 10 yards, just stop, find space, work in, work out, or he can keep it vertical on a lock scene. Outside guys got to go. If they, they playing, if they playing cover two, they'll sit in the outside windows. So, you know, the, the four verticals is one of my favorite plays that we can run just because it could be so many deals off of that deal. Like, and it's pretty much, you know, you can get to the point where, uh, if you got a good quarterback and good receivers, and they've been they've been together for a while. You can get to the point where you can run four verts, and if they playing ten yards off, those guys gonna automatically stop, and he'll throw the ball out there. If they press him, those guys will go. He'll throw it over top. You know, in in, in, the, in the throws, 
the throws vary. You know, if I'm even with you, he gonna throw it over top. If the dude's on top of me, he gonna throw a back shoulder. So it's a it's a it's a win win situation for the offense all the time. And with those four verticals, if you get good at it and get those linebackers dropping, then you got your back that'll come out and run just a little spot route over the ball. So now if they drop, you you'll dump it off to the running back who'll have ten yards of of room to uh to run. So the four vertical package is what I really, really like out of the array. Fantastic. And last question to wrap this all up. Over the years, you've played under a number of coaches and you've uh, coached with a lot of coaches. Who are some of the more influential coaches that you've worked with and what was it about them that made them so special and good at coaching? I think Coach Stoops, uh, hands down, has been the most influential on me, him and Mike Leach, um, just because those guys came in, um, you know, I, you know, coming out of high school, I only lost two games in, my, in four years coming out of high school. And then I went to Oklahoma my first three years and lost mm, maybe close to 20. Um, and then those guys, when those guys got there, it was a group that, you know, I was, I was looking to leave and go play the NFL. But those guys came in and, 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 and really solidified what we was doing. Um, Coach Stoops has been a great influence on me just by the discipline and the way he handles things and the, the way he – how intense it is and paying attention to details – uh, he's been really, really good. He's probably been the most influential on me outside of Mike Leach. Um, I think me and Coach Leach had a great connection, and we talked just about every other day. Um, and I think it, it was just the way he handled, just the way his offense is, how simple it is, and, and I've drawn to it. But those two guys have been really, really, you know, guys that have been really, really influential to me. And then, you know, Steve Spurrier Jr. has been a big, big impact for me. He coached receivers, coached me at Oklahoma. Uh Kind of came in, gave me a fresh start on uh, on 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 the way to play receiver, and he's always he's been great for me whenever I there. You know, it's been a lot of guys. You know, um, Clarence James, who's my first receiver coach, who who recruited me a long time. He's been he, he's an older guy. He's kind of been the guy that kind of kept me at Oklahoma. You know, when when things was going bad, but uh, you know, uh, you know, but Coach Stoops, Coach Leach, and, uh, Coach Spurrier Jr. has been the guys who um been a big, big impact on my life as far as like coaching wise and guys has really helped me uh get to this the level where I'm at. Um but I try to take some from every coach I, you know, I, I've been a part of, you know, Coach Buddy Tevens who's at uh Dartmouth was a great impact on me by, you know, making sure I taught kids the fundamentals and, you know, how to become a coach outside of coaching, you know, because he had been in the Ivy League, how to how to make sure you pay attention to the little deals, little things when you go to kids' house, you know, mom and dad, little sister, you know, what are what are they what are they likes? Because that could be something that can flip your flip the recruiting, hey, understanding what little sister likes, you know, Barbie dolls. So when you call the house, make sure you talk to the little sister about Barbie dolls. So Coach Tevens was big on that as far as like helping me develop as a coach, um, in the recruiting aspect. You know, Coach Stoop's been real good at helping me just make sure I, I pay attention to details and just doing things how he did. And then, you know, Coach Leach is, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have 8,000 plays. You can just have eight with the right way. And, you know, with Coach Leach has been, I've been with Coach more than anybody else, but uh, just Coach Leach is just how he stuck to his system and stuck to what he do. He didn't change for nobody, you know, you know, his three rules he have, you know, uh, you know, don't do drugs, don't hit a woman, don't steal has been his, his main three deals about 
you know, managing college football and if anybody violated that, you know, he got rid of him. And he didn't care who he was. You know, I think that was big on me seeing the discipline that he had with just three rules over a team. And then, you know, watching Coach Stoops, you know, playing for him, you know, how he got guys to play hard for him and then actually coaching with him. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been great. So I just try to take something from from everybody. But I would say Coach Stoops and Coach uh, Lee to Coach Steve Spurrier Jr., along with, you know, Buddy Tevens and some other coaches kind of uh, set the stage for me. Fantastic, Coach. Right, just to wrap it up, I like to give every coach the opportunity to share their social media <laughs> handles um, in case coaches that are listening want to follow you and see what you're about. Uh, feel free to share those with the uh, Yeah. Yeah, I got uh, I got one. Um, that's uh, Jarrell Jackson on Twitter, and that's J A R R A I L uh, Jackson, and it's at Trey Ward three. That's uh, my personal Twitter, and then I got another Twitter. Uh, that's uh, I think it's hold on, let me find it. I got another Twitter. That's uh, Coach. Uh, it's Coach underscore J Jackson one on Twitter. Uh, feel free to follow me. And then my Facebook is just my name, Jarrell Jackson. So feel free to follow me. Hit me up. If you guys need anything, I'm willing to, to, to help out in any way. Maybe hopefully one day I can come over and show you guys an air raid and have some fun. Brilliant, Coach. Uh, thank you again for taking the time out to talk to us. Uh, as you said, hopefully we'll get you over to the UK soon and we'll uh, share some information. Um, stay safe during this time and we'll chat soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you to Coach Jackson for taking the time to talk to us. As usual, contact me at Coach Lillis if you'd like to appear as a guest or have a suggestion for a future topic. Tune in next time for another BAFCA Coaching Podcast episode.